Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we make families the best they can be. In this series of Figuring Out Families that we are calling The Parenting Sessions, we speak to leading experts to give practical, real-world advice to help you grow healthy, well-balanced children and make your life as a parent or grandparent a little easier. I'm David Ahern. I hope you enjoy. Welcome, Robin. Robin, it's good to have you back uh, for a variety of reasons. Adults can spend a lifetime feeling they're incapable or hopeless at something, but they don't need to feel that way, do they? They can take on a different mindset and set a challenge for themselves. Oh, they certainly can. Um, you know, David, it's amazing how the voices of the past um, can influence you and feel like this massive block where they don't really need to be. Yeah, and uh, I don't know about you, Robin, but look, I had certainly had issues when I was young and some people used to tell me that I, I couldn't do maths, I was hopeless at maths, and I actually believed them and therefore convinced myself that I'd never be any good at maths, but uh, you would agree that was certainly the wrong approach to take. Oh, David, I wonder. It was the bane of my life for many years. School told me I wouldn't amount to anything and I didn't get sent back to do year 12. I had this absolute belief like you that I couldn't do maths. And I bet there's a lot of listeners out there nodding right now, David, going, yep, that happened to me too. Because parents, people, teachers, they really believe that you either had it or you didn't. And they didn't hesitate to tell you, or at least some of them didn't. And this, uh, David, defined my life for the first 40 years. And in my 40th year, I went to university to study psychology. And on the very first class, on the very first day, you can imagine I'm pretty nervous. You know, it's my first time at university. I'm 40, everyone else is, you know, 20. And they put a sum on the board. I expected them to be talking about emotions and feelings and understanding people, but they put maths on the board. They were testing to see what base knowledge we had and they put a tick around a sum and I put my hand up and I said why is the tick around the sum <laughs> and <laughs> the, the teacher started to laugh and she said that's a square root sign well I'd never seen a square root sign and I had to ask well what does that mean and she said a number multiplied by itself by itself and so I was humiliated you could imagine uh. Yeah. And I cried all the way home. Was this going to stop me becoming a psychologist, the fact that I wasn't given the right gene for maths? And I didn't let it stop me. Even though I cried all the way home, I went, well, I have to do something about it or I have to not go to university. And so where I'd avoided it the whole of my life, now was my challenge to actually change it and become the psychologist that I wanted to become, David. Yeah, no, that, that's a great uh, lesson. And I had a similar lesson with, with maths too. As I said, I just blocked it out because I just believed what other people were saying. So true. It's just so true. Yeah. You know, as a society, David, we tend to think that you either have it or you don't. How many times have you heard people say, I was behind the door when God handed that out? <laughs> and <laughs> weirdly... We take it on as a truth. You know, people tend to think that there's certain 
traits or talents that they just don't have. And of course, the secret is there's not, no one's up there going, you can have this and you can't. We're not all or nothing beings. One person doesn't get one thing and another something else. Um, we're all got the potential um, to be something that we want to be. And we shouldn't measure ourselves against those we call gifted, David. Yeah, very, very sensible advice. But unfortunately, we do at, at times. And uh, you use the term uh, gifted. And it's true to say that some people are naturally gifted at things, whether it be at athletics or swimming. And uh, we see it at, at Olympic Games and other uh, situations like that. But um, And others do struggle with doing the same task. But that's life, isn't it? Well, it is life, but just because someone's gifted in something doesn't mean we can't be good at it. So I might not be able to win at the Olympics, but that's because I haven't spent my whole life training for it, finding something that I really love and spending my life dedicating myself to it. But it doesn't mean I can't run and chase my grandchildren and go for huge long walks. I can have a percentage of that, and and that is... David, whatever I put my energy into creating, that's what I end up having. It's no use sitting on the couch, um, drinking soft drink, looking at the Olympics going, I wish that was me. <laughs> that's right. Well, I mean, I, I love watching the Olympics and uh, with the, the Japan or Tokyo Olympics coming up, well, we think they're coming up. Uh, I, I enjoy watching, you know, the best athletes in the world doing things that I could never dream of doing, whether it be uh, pole vaulting or, or whatever. But, um, yes. yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. You, at the same time, some people in some sports may not be the, the most gifted, but they have the, the greatest desire to succeed, and uh, often they do succeed. Yes, that's true. And they have that innate, I want it, I want it. So instead of thinking, David, that it's one end or the other, it's a continuum, you either you have it or you don't, sorry, um, instead of thinking you either have it or you don't, what about thinking of it more as a continuum, not black and white? So at one end you might have the I can't and at the other end you have absolute success and you can move that um, slide up and down the continuum as you learn new skills and you focus and you, you create the knowledge, the wisdom, the strength that you need to achieve something. What do you think, David? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And you, you speak of continuum, and that's an interesting word to use. Um, perhaps you could explain that a bit more and provide some examples, uh, Robin? Well, certainly. A continuum for me is something, it's like a line. And when you think that you can't do something or you can, it's just where you place yourself on that line. And most of us place ourselves right down the left-hand side. You know, I don't have the skills, I'm too short, I'm too old, I'm too whatever. And at the other end, it's just I have focused so much, I've achieved this. So you only have to move yourself along the continuum a little bit to start moving towards the I can. So when you stop thinking about something as um, black and white and you start thinking about it as being on a continuum, it actually becomes something that you start to believe that you can achieve. So let's take, for example, organisation in the home. Yeah. You might walk into your bedroom and see all the clothes on the floor and say to yourself, I am so disorganised, I'm hopeless. Now, your parents might echo this over and over again. Pick up your clothes. This room's like a pigsty. You're so disorganised. 
And the belief of being disorganised then might translate a belief that other people are fantastic at organising and you're severely lacking in this department and it's nothing that you can fix. Now, let me tell you, I was the messiest teenager that I knew. (laughs) I would drop my clothes on the floor, do my washing when I ran out of undies, I often forgot my homework or spilt drinks on it, left it at school. I'm sure you get the picture, right? Yes, yes. And this continued for years into my life. And, you know, we tend to just make these overgeneralised statements about ourselves and our abilities. Someone else might have started it, but we perpetuate it. And, you know, we'll say over and over again, oh, well, I'm not that organised or I'm always late or... And that's where we can change it because the difference between those who can and those who can't is simply education, commitment and practice. Okay. Yeah, no, that's right. And it is a state of mind like a lot of things in life, isn't it? It really just gets to down to, uh, you know, being positive about things. Oh, absolutely. It's about being willing to take that step, you know, that thing that you need to do. So if you wanted to learn how to play the piano, you wouldn't just sit in front of the piano and bang out the keys to the best of your ability. You'd actually go and find a piano teacher and someone who was really good at simplifying things and taking you step by step. You just mirror what they taught you and you would start practising and practising until you got it right. Well, in organisation, my friends Kathy and Annie were the most organised people I'd ever met. I was so envious of them because I would run like a bull at a gate and run to a deadline and they would um, step by step, plan it out, you know, organise themselves, complete one step before they started the next step. And I just thought I could never be like them because they are absolutely amazing. And now they think I've surpassed them. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Now they're envious of you. It's great. (laughs) And, And I love it because what happened was I learnt from them and I learnt the joy of organisation. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's a big thing at the moment with a lot of lockdown. People have started to focus on organising the house because they've got all this time in the house, whereas normally we're running from one task to another, after school programs, commitments. But now in lockdown, um, we have way much to, um, way too much time on our hands. So before things, you know, do you run in from work, throw your bags down, go to the fridge to prepare tea, find that the ingredients you need are missing, you have to go out to the supermarket or get takeaway, you know, do you pay your bills on the day before they're due or as soon as the red bill comes in, you know, do you open the mail or do you put it on a pile on the bench? You know, there's so many things. If you actually allocate yourself in time management, just as you would if you were going to work, you can actually turn it around. I remember when I asked one of the doctors that I worked with what she did to be organised because she worked, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. She had a family at home. She ran the family home. And she said she writes lists and she rewrites them and she has a daily list and a weekly list. 
she actually writes her shopping list according to the supermarket aisles so she's not going backwards and forwards looking for something. How simple is that? That's great. It's genius. She doesn't go backwards and forwards up and down the aisles. It must frustrate her enormously when they change the aisles, (laughs) which they do. (laughs) They do. They do quite regularly too. It frustrates me, I know. Yeah. She has specific days for cleaning areas of the house and she always cooks more than she needs and freezes leftovers for another day. She multitasks but always knows when to be fully present to a member of her family or a task. And, you know, David, listening to her reminded me that I take photos of my pantry so I don't buy the same food every time I go shopping. I used to go to the supermarket and you'd see your favourite thing and you'd buy two or three. Then I'd get home and find I already had three or four. <laughs> so <laughs> now I take a photo of what's – before I go to the supermarket, I'd take a photo of my pantry and then if I look at something, i go, oh, no, I've already got three of those. Mm, that's clever. <laughs> now my spices are in alphabetical order. Now that's why my friends Kathy and Annie think I surpassed them. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I'm impressed. So I, t- I can't tell you how much time that saves me, flicking through the pantry, trying to find the spice. I know exactly where it is, and if it's empty, I've laid it down so I know it's missing. Yeah. It's okay. just so easy. It's so easy and it just saves so much time. So you're not doubling up. You're not looking. So these little hacks at home they can make such a difference and I don't know people at home are probably groaning going alphabetical spices this is absolutely (laughs) ridiculous (laughs) but what I'm talking about is micro changes that make can make a really big difference in your life you would really be surprised so yes I am a bit obsessional I'll take um um you know I'll say that I am ownership that was a word that wouldn't come but I do a lot of little things that actually make it easy for me and make it clear thinking, David. Yeah, no, that's that's important, Robin, for sure. Now, look, if one particular child in a family is good at something, should parents just allow that child to do that chore, for example, or is it better to share the task around to all family members? It's important to give all the household the belief that they can do the jobs because otherwise that child that, say, not good at drying the dishes or mopping or something will go through their life going, that's not my job, I'm not good at it. Of course we need to bring up rounded children, children that can do um, everything in the house. It, it used to be once only the, the girls were taught to do these things, but, of course, that's turned on its head now and everybody gets to participate. And if there's a child that's going, I can't do that, I'm not good enough, this is the perfect time to find out what skill they're missing and to teach them. And, of course, it's never about the mopping of the floor. It's about the fact that you're teaching a child that they can learn a skill and do anything. So even though everyone thinks all the attention is on whatever the task is at home, i.e. picking your clothes up off the floor or doing your washing, It's really about teaching responsibility, believing in yourself and chunking something down until you learn how to do it. If you're teaching a child how to use the washing machine, 
it's going to take several times before they remember to put the soap powder in, remember to choose the right setting, all those things. But it's never about the task. It's about developing um, I can in the child, David. Sure, sure. Now, Robin, if a particular family member is totally disorganised, and we all have family members that we know who are totally disorganised, to the, to the point it may be impacting on the whole how, household, how can they improve themselves as individuals? Aha. Uh -huh. So I think that um, what we're looking at here is actually the child needing one-on-one -on -one, um, supervision to get the tasks done. So I love it when you start, when, of course, when the child's really little and they think it's great fun to dust and to organise. You know, if you have a child, for example, um, that gets pleasure out of helping and being part of it and you've developed that since you were two that they're part of a family and therefore they have a role that's important in the family and if they don't perform their role, then the family doesn't function the way it should. So um, I think that giving that child one-on-one, -on -one, really focusing on what tasks they need to do. So as a mother, for example, you can get incredibly frustrated if all the kids have their bath and dump their clothes on the bathroom floor and you have to ask them three or four times, maybe every night, to take their clothes and put them in the laundry. Yeah. Why wouldn't you bring the laundry basket in and put it in the bathroom and go, you know, when you get undressed, your clothes go straight in there. You know, it's such a simple hack but it's so easy to change now you're not nagging at your children to do the same thing and they're not bucking the system by by leaving it there and not wanting to go back because they're wet and cold and all those things. Move the basket in there and make it a job of the child to bring the basket in and take it back when they're finished if you don't want to leave it there. I find um, a laundry hamper in the um, laundry, in the um, shower room makes it just so amazing. You get undressed, you put it straight in. There's no issue. So we have to rethink the tasks so that they actually work for the children as well, I would say, David. Yeah, no, 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 that's that's good advice. Now, I, I did hear of a, a story once, a, a good friend of mine, a family member in his household, the daughter would go to the fridge, take a small bite out of a piece of cake or a drumstick and then put the rest back in the fridge, and it used to infuriate the rest of the family. Uh, can you suggest some strategies for families in these types of situations, how you would sort of <laughs> approach that sort of issue? I imagine that that's um, really, really frustrating for families. And I would want to try to understand what the motivation of the child was before I could really answer it deeply, but I'll give sure. you a generalisation which would be I would take the child back to the fridge, get out all the things that have had a bite taken out of them, get that child to cut them up and put them in a segmented container and then next time they wanted food they had to go to that container and finish the food that they'd started to eat. And so that became their container so that they weren't then um, going back and having a bite out of something. So I'd put that strategy in to protect everyone else yeah. but I'd want to know What's the underlying grievance here? Do they feel like there's not enough to go around? Are they trying to irritate the other people on purpose so that they get more attention? You know, I just want to know. There's a reason why people do things and I'd want to understand it. Does, does this child think there's not enough for them? 
I don't yeah. know. I'm just throwing it out there because yeah. I want to talk to the child and I'd want to talk to the parents. No, no, and quite right. And you don't know what the underlying reason is. There could be something, even a deep-seated reason that you need to get to the bottom of. Um, uh, they may not be doing it deliberately to um, upset the rest of the family. It just might be something they're not aware exactly. of themselves. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, now, Robin, feeling guilty and remorseful for being disorganised or failing in certain areas is unhelpful. You say it muddies the water and creates cloudy thinking. How do people overcome this? Well, that's a good question, David, because um, being clear thinking is extremely helpful on the organisational continuum. You know, feeling guilt and remorse for not being organised, it just muddies the water and creates clouded thinking because you're going to do a job but you're telling yourself, well, you're never going to be able to do it properly. So um, begin your day, a new day, and leave the past in the past. So take on new behaviours behaviors that will set you free and help you as be as organised as you can possibly be. So you might be telling yourself every day that you're disorganised and creating your own reality, living into it. It's important to break that organisational belief and to break your organisational day down to see if this blanket generalisation about yourself is just something from your past. So list the strategies. So you might list what you want to achieve in a week. Um, you might actually just focus in the first week of looking, where do I spend most of my time? Maybe you're distracted by technology. Maybe you get on up like I do most mornings and turn the news on. Yeah. And then once you're sitting in front of that television, it's hard to break yourself away from that. So maybe you need to change that and not turn the television on until you've done the tasks. And many of us um, start with the unimportant things first. So make a list of what of the order of importance of the things you want to get done in that day and how much time do you actually spend worrying about it or procrastinating and how much time in, oh, well, I just can't get it done, it's overwhelming. So, David, it starts with a desire to be different and then just taking this one step at a time and maybe asking your friends their organisational tips and choosing one that you might take on board and then a focused mind can achieve almost anything. Like I remember asking my friend Leah, um, what's your organisational tip? And she, she said that she puts the clothes away in piles that go together, her children are little. So school shorts, socks, undies, T-shirt and jumper, one day's worth in a pile. So then when they um, go to get dressed in the morning, they just take their pile out and everything that they need is there. You know, like these parental hacks are just amazing, David. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And then look, at the end of the day, Robin, change has to come from within. You could go to every class and you could be told by a million people how you should change, but you probably need to want to change too. So it really starts with the person, doesn't it? It really does start with you can't um, make something happen if you're not that interested in it. It will just be like pushing um, bricks up a hill, wouldn't it, really? You have to 
want it to be different. You have to walk into that room where everything's all over the floor and disorganised and or you can't find something for that 10th time. You have to want that to be different. And it can be easy. I think once you tell yourself that you can be something and you take that first step, you can really be anything that you want to be. Obviously, you know, I don't suggest that you take on brain surgery, but, you know, (laughs) you you want to be organised in the home, you want to be more kind or loving, you want to be understanding any any of the those things that you choose that you want to do. Maybe you want to get fitter. You only have to take that one step because, you know, when I wanted to write is a good example. You know, I don't usually write until I've cleaned my desk, I've cleaned the bathroom, I've made my bed, I've had my coffee, I've listened to the news, I know what's going on in the world. And by the time I've done this, my energy levels are a bit low and my enthusiasm's gone. But when I wake up, grab a coffee and sit in front of the computer, I'm way more productive and then I can, when I need a break, then I can make the bed or then I can clean the bathroom. But I turn them into something that becomes the break, not the procrastination because when I want to write, I can have the cleanest house in the street because I'm using it as procrastination. Find out what distracts you. You know, how important is that distraction and prioritise things in the order that you want to achieve them. Maybe you get up and you ring a friend. So maybe you don't ring that friend for two hours until you've done what it is that you need to do. So, David, it's about engaging that dynamic part of yourself to switch some of your own behaviours on the on its head and moving yourself along that organisational continuum. Yeah, and procrastination is a good word. We all procrastinate at different times, especially if we don't want to do a particular task. It's probably uh, one of uh, people's greatest weaknesses, but we all have it. It's so true. And the amount of time that we spend worrying and procrastinating, um, the task could have been done 10 or 20 times over. How many times have you thought, I better do that, I better do that, I better do that? And when you do it, 10 minutes later, you think, oh, wow, finished. Yes. <laughs> That's right. It's a mindset. It gets back to what we said at the start. It's all about your mind. And, uh, you know, it, things can be a lot easier. They don't need to be as difficult as they are sometimes. Oh, it's so true. Honestly, I'd really love people out there who want to be more organised for them to ask their friends, each of their friends, one of the absolute um, gems that they can pass on, a hack that they do, because I think you'll find that little things that people do just save them so much time in a day. And there's a sense of um, achievement and fulfilment that you get from just even taking one or two steps and changing your life that way, David. Yes, no, so so true, Robin. Um, To recap some of the main points from today's podcast? I certainly can. So firstly, what others have said about you in the past is not the truth. It reflects more on them than it does on you because it wasn't their role to tell you that you weren't capable of doing something. So tell yourself it's not the truth and move on from that. So you have to put it in the past because someone said something to you maybe 40 years ago or 20 years ago, 
has absolutely nothing to do with who you are in the world today, right here and right now. Imagine if we tried to look back at our sixth grade teacher now, David, I don't know about you, but I'm in my 60s. You know, I can hardly remember their name. Maybe I can't. but, (laughs) But I can remember what they said to me. It is ridiculous when you look at it like that, isn't it? So they said something to us once and we've repeated that for however many years we've been since then, maybe for me 40 years, repeated what they said. So we actually need to break free of our own repetitions of whatever that person said. That's ridiculous. That person's probably not even alive now and yet, you know, we've taken on board whatever they said. So throw that out with the bathwater. We don't need it anymore. You didn't miss out on a skill. You just need to choose the skill you want to learn and take the first step because skills are on a continuum. Work out where you are now and work out where you want to be and choose a task to move you along that continuum as often as you can. But don't make it hard work. Enjoy your new skills, you know, embrace them, have fun with them and feel absolutely proud of them. You actually can do anything you choose. And therefore, if you're a parent out there, it's time to teach your children that they can do um, anything that they really set their mind to and help them see that um, achieving skills is just taking one step at a time. So you are not what someone said you were years ago. You are this absolute um, perfect person who can choose to learn something that you want to embrace. So go out there and go for it, David. Wonderful wonderful advice, Robin. I couldn't agree more. We can all improve ourselves as people and uh, nothing is impossible if we put our minds to it. I agree with you totally. Thank you so much for uh, your time today. Absolute pleasure. Bye. Bye for now. Bye, Robin. Thank you.